Sal Barry and Jim Howard. This is the Puck Junk Podcast. Hello and welcome to the end of the year edition of the Puck Junk Podcast. No, this is not a season recap. This is just our last podcast of 2019. Sal Barry here. This time I'm joined by Jim, not the goalie Howard. Jim Howard, how are you, man? Doing okay. How are you? I'm okay. I'm still getting over being sick. And Tim Parrish, you know, he was too busy moving into a new house this week. You know, the nerve Ooh, of look, he, he's, he's he's a big man right there. Moving to the big house. Oh, moving to, move to a bigger house. I'm actually happy, really happy for him because he's going to have more room for his collection. Because <laughs> no, I'm serious. Because his his collection, his like his like card room is like it was like the upstairs, and it was like the attic of like an old building so it had the pitched roof so he couldn't make the shelves too high because there were certain sections where like the the ceiling of of the room was only a little bit taller than he was you know because it was a pitched it was it was a, yeah, it was a yeah, pointed yeah. roof so you know i'd be like oh man you need to get these like six foot bookshelves he goes yeah i would if like the ceiling went up to six feet in like some places it doesn't it only goes up to like whatever so he would just have like different shelves and and stuff and so i said to him i said are you gonna have more room for your collection and he's like yeah and i'm like well that's good because you can enjoy your collection more but also now you're not under so much pressure to like get rid of things that don't fit you know like if you just have more room then you just put off the problem of like oh i have too many cards i need to sell some of them or give some of them away or whatever well, here's the trick that I think I think there's somebody over uh, near me that that does this. What you do is you open up uh, a sports card shop, and you have really absurd hours that no one can ever go to. Mm-hmm. And you keep, you know, you order stuff, you open up packs, and then you say everything gets damaged, and you write everything off on your taxes as a loss. Mm-hmm. That way, you can pretty much just like have the government paying for all of your cards. Don't do this at home, kids. I promise you it's probably not a good idea. But, you know, Tim, if, if you're listening, eh, you know, go for it. I, I'm no expert, that, but that sounds like fraud to me. Yeah, maybe, but, you know, it's hockey cards, right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad you were able to join <laughs> me on, uh, on this podcast because I remember the last time we podcasted together, it was about Pinnacle Mint, and that was mm-hmm. a lot of fun. Um, and uh, you can actually find that in the archives if you just go back to uh, if you go to puckjunk.com and just go to a recent podcast, click on pod, Puck Junk podcast over on the left side, and then you'll see like all the all the podcasts show up. Or I don't know, you can just Google Puck Junk Pinnacle Mint and you'll find our conversation about that set. But that was many years ago, and uh, um, today we got some serious topics to talk about. We got some card related topics to talk about. Uh, we're going to start off with the uh, the elephant in the room being Jeremy Roenick, because that was kind of like the big news right before Christmas time. Jeremy Roenick suspended indefinitely by NBC without pay. Uh, Jim, so uh, actually, let me just give a little bit of uh, background on this. And I know most of you probably already know what happened. But on December 19th, 2019, Jeremy Roenick was on the Spit and Chicklets podcast, which is like the most popular hockey podcast or so I'm told. Um, uh. It's fo- hosted by former NHL uh, NHL players, Paul Bissonette, Ryan Whitney, and some guy named Rear Admiral. I think that's a code name or a assumed name or an alias. But anyways, so Rear Admiral, classy. Um, but anyway, um, 
I mean, if he was in the Navy, then yeah, that would be pretty awesome, actually. Yeah, probably, probably not. I'm, I'm judging from from uh, the, his demeanor. I've heard him. I don't listen to Puck or to, to, to Spit and Chicklets a whole lot, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm I'm, I'm kind of guessing. Yeah, it's just a tawdry joke. Right. I'm yeah. Well, it's, it's barstool sports, so I mean, you you kind of pretty much kind of expect that. But anyway, so Ronick was. Uh, I got to say, the interview was awesome, and I loved it. I've always loved Jeremy Roenick. I've always been a fan of his. I remember uh-huh. when he broke into the league. That was around the time I got into hockey. I remember uh-huh. meeting him as a kid when I was 15 and having a conversation with him. And He's just always been a really awesome, really genuine, really nice guy. I mean, I've never heard of him being mean to a fan. I've never heard of him, like, uh, just being rude to anybody. He's, he's like... Positive disposition. He's always he's always uh, kind of a happy, bubbly kind of guy. No matter you know, unless he's having a talk with Mike Milbury, and then you know it's fifty fifty chance. Right. But otherwise, no, he otherwise he's he's just always like uh, not necessarily it, it, it's sunshine and and broken glass or something like that. I guess. Yeah. So I mean, I even remember like when I was trying to a couple. This was like God. What was this? Maybe six years ago when I was trying to break in as a writer, like. I was writing puck junk, but I was I was starting to write for Beckett. I was writing a little bit for the hockey news at the time. And I remember like doing an article about NHL 94. And I just said to myself, if I could talk to one person, who would I want to talk to about this? And I said, well, Jeremy Roenick, of course, because, you know, he's the best ga- best player in that video game. So I just I sent him an email and I was like super surprised that he replied and I mean, that that really like that helped me a lot in my career because like I'm just like, all right, pie in the sky, shoot for the moon. I'm going to just email him and see if he responds. He probably won't. And then like two days later, he just sends me a reply that says, call me anytime. And then it has his number. And I'm just like, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, that was. Wow. Cool. Yeah, that was cool. And so, I mean, you know, I'm doing my little Beckett hockey article and I have an interview with Jr. And that was just like. That, I don't want to say that put me on the map as a writer, but, you know, my street cred went up exponentially after that, you know, because mm-hmm. then I was able to say, like, well, would, can I interview you for an article? I've, you know, I've interviewed Jeremy Roenick in the past, and then that, that you know, oh, okay, hey, if Roenick will talk to you, I'll talk to you, too, you know? So I love the guy. It's hard for me to be unbiased, but I got to say his comments on the um, the show, I think, obviously crossed the line. Um I've been talking a lot, so why don't you tell us what you think? Sure, I'll let you uh, call for whatever you need to do to get over your cold. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, listening to it myself, do it a couple of times, and uh, the the funny thing about uh, the Spit and Chicklets podcast is they're the 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 guys that that want to you know. They they try and pull like fun and interesting stories, but they also want those stories that are not going to necessarily be always told in polite company. Um, and so that's kind of what they want uh, is is that sort of uh, that that sort of material to work with. And when Jr. starts talking, there's really no stop until he gets the to the end of his story. Period. Uh, and he doesn't. He's he, there. There's no mute button on on that sort of thing. Um, when he started going initially uh, talking about the the thing where he's in Portugal with his wife and and Karen Tavenin, 
and uh, uh, they you can hear them saying, "Hey, that's your coworker, you know, just uh, hey, kids might be, uh, you know, just, they were trying to warn him, and he kept on rolling. Um, and initially when he, he first started telling the stories like, okay, yeah, his wife and Karen yelled at him and told him to That's stop right. and yeah, he got in trouble with them. But it, the second, the, the second time that he like, re, you know, went in on the subject of, of everything with his coworker, that's where he really went too far at yeah, that point. So- Okay, so like, okay, so yeah, so he's talking about going to Portugal with his wife and with his coworker Catherine Tappen, and he, you know, mm-hmm. so he says, "All right, they got their bikinis on, they look smoking, ass and boobs everywhere. It's great, it's great." And I'm like thinking, okay, that's right there. That was kind of dumb, but you could kind of, all right, whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. when he, when he said ass and boobs everywhere. The first time I heard that, I thought he just meant like, well, I'm at a pool. I'm in Portugal. And, you know, it's like everyone's out in the pool. And, you know, okay, that's fine. But then when I listened to it a second time, it's like, all right, he's talking about his wife. He's talking about his coworker. All right. And then he said, like, then, like, later on when he's just, like, saying, um, you know, the lady's like, uh, what's with the three of you? And he's like, well, I let's just say I'm having a really good vacation. And he's like, and then Catherine's like, JR, shut the hell up. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and that was funny. And that, that could have been the end of the story because he's kind of like saying, yeah, I was kind of messing with this older person, o- older couple, and just saying, you know, draw your own conclusions, right? I'm I'm in this vacation with these these two women. and But then he kind of like, then he's like, oh, I played off like we're going to bed together every night. And then really where, that's really like where it should have stopped. It's when he said, if it really came to fruition, that would be really good but it's never going to happen. So yeah. I feel like that's the point. And I mean, my girlfriend listened to a podcast with me. She loves Jeremy Roenick and she was laughing her ass off. But then uh-huh. she said, okay, that's the point where he needed to stop. Like he just uh-huh. said, I just played it off. Right. And that was it. And it's funny. But then when he's going on he's like, if it came to fruition, that would be really good, but it's not never going to happen. And then like later on, then he's talking about like Patrick Sharp and it's like, okay, that's funny, but that's also awkward. And then to a lesser extent, he's like, well, when me, what did he say? When me and Anson get on there, it's a shit show. It's like, okay, so self-deprecating is funny, but now you're calling Anson Carter ugly. And I'm sure he's been called worse things in, you know, as, mm. as an NHL player, but it's just like, why drag him into this? Why drag Sharpie into this? Why drag Catherine into this? It just, I don't know. I think that was the thing. And that's, Ronick doesn't remember like who he is. He's on like the biggest NHL network in the United States. I mean, there is the mm-hmm. NHL network, but you have to pay extra for it on cable subscriptions. But NBC, I mean, the NBC is free and he's on NBC games and he's usually doing stupid shit during the winter classic games or a stadium series game or something. You know, they have JR like eating hot dogs or JR uh, doing Irish dancing or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw any of those. So he's, he's highly visible he's high profile and he forgets that you know yeah and i think that and so that that's that's my take on that anyway yeah i mean he spends he spends more time gushing about uh his co-worker catherine and about and about patrick sharp uh than he does you know regaling us with with baudry tales of portugal uh and and his thoughts on the subject um, 
but all of those wonderful things he says, uh, when you're keeping score, pretty much when he slams his own trump card and says dumb crap like that, yeah, NBC is going to have to come down on him. And that's pretty much where we are at this point in time because we're, you know, a lot of people are kind of saying hockey's having its Me Too movement right now. Yeah. And that pretty much, that, that all started uh, about the time with the whole Bill Peters issues uh, issue, like what? Is it a month now? Maybe a month it was and like a half. December. Not even that. It was December. Yeah, not, yeah. yeah, a month and not even that. So, or um, November, maybe. I can't remember now. It seems it's all just a blur. It's like, yeah, like Babcock gets fired, and then all of a sudden, it's like every coach ever is an asshole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's, um, uh, I mean, yeah, there's uh, some coaches are getting reviewed, some are, uh, some are getting fired, and there's no reason being given. Uh, the coach in Dallas, I think it was, yeah, yeah, um, is that Jim uh, I don't even, I, right. Yeah, I don't Unprofessional know if they ever really gave much. Yeah, I, but we don't know exactly what happened. Nobody says anything. And, hey, you know what? Maybe it's not our business. That may be just, you know, how the the how the, the, the organization and the league feel about it in some scenarios. Um, what do you think? But, oh, go ahead. No, but uh, as it is, like, yeah, everybody's kind of on eggshells, at least for the moment, until we kind of figure out where the landscape is going and how it's changing. Uh, it's nothing as, you know, not to say that it's changing for bad, not to say it's it's changing for, you know, this this golden sunshine place where, you know, uh, everybody's going to be having happy feelings and uh, every game is going to end with a, a handshake line instead of a storm surge. Uh, it, as it is, uh, we're, we're not really sure exactly, you know, where this is all going and people do need to watch their stab, JR included. And I know that, that NBC hires him and Millbury and a lot of those guys, uh, yes, they are knowledgeable players of the game and they have great stories, but they're also personalities that are going to say things that are going to have people talking around the water cooler, talking on Twitter and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. That's why they're there. That's why they have a job. People like Patrick Sharp, yeah, they're players. They know professionalism, and they are absolutely smart as a whip. They have a different place. And and there's room for all of them. There really is. But, you know, we've got to keep some folks in line here and there. That, that That's all, especially when it comes to, you know, uh, when, you, when you're on a, a, a massive, uh, massively viewed or, or excuse me, listened to podcast like Spit and Chicklets or a just, you know, world stomping, uh, just podcast crushing uh, venue like Puck Junk. I mean, you're, you're going to have to watch what you say every time. Damn it. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Sorry if I've offended the 50 listeners. Oh, I want to give out a shout out to the three listeners that we have in Finland. Um, or maybe it's one listener listening three times. But I just was looking at the stats. It's like, okay, USA, Canada, Finland. Hey, all right. Cool. Finland. All Go right. Games. <laughs> Go Yeah. So, um, you know, um, I want to just read uh, uh, Tappan's brief comment. Uh, she said here, while Jeremy and I continue to be good friends, what he said was unacceptable especially among workplace colleagues. I do not condone his comments. 
I think she said the best thing she could have said. Um, I mean, maybe she was deeply offended. And if she said, I'm deeply offended, I'd be okay with that. I mean, I don't think, I think it's one thing to joke around with a friend. I think it's one thing to joke around when, when you're with friends. Mm-hmm. And then I know that like, but, you know, because he was putting it out there in the public and he basically said, yeah, I'd sleep with my coworker if that could happen, but it's never going to happen. It's just like, then what do you say to your coworker when you see her on Monday morning? You know what I mean? Like, like how, how, how does that not get awkward? You know, he and Patrick Sharp are in the elevator together. Like, hey, Patrick. Hey, Jeremy. So what's up? Nothing. I, I, I just, how, how does that not get a little weird? It sounds like, well, it sounds like the whole crew is uh, very friendly towards each other. Not in that sort of way. But, you know, in, in joking, uh, they know where there are when they can talk to each other uh, personally and, you know, off mic and on mic um, and where those lines are drawn as as friends and, and colleagues. Uh, but again, those are, you know, comments and jokes that remain in private and not you know, broadcasted everywhere. Right. Um, how, if, if I was in BC and I'm not in BC, uh, I would, I, I would probably like, you know, when, when Ronix allowed back on air, should he be allowed back on air? Uh, you know, just to start the, the whole segment, just like have a pre-taped thing where like, uh, JR and, and Catherine are, are sitting there like in the room, like doing notes, you know, awkwardly quiet. And then he like, he'll say like, Hey, Hey Catherine. And then she just like, without looking at him says, shut up JR. And he's like, okay, I'm sorry. And then just like cut to the, everything else. Right. Make, you know, make it a joke, make it say, okay, yes. The, these two are, are kind of are, are functioning together. Everything mm-hmm. is going to be all right. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of clear that air. If you just, you know, kind of rolling into it, like, like listen to to um, Tabnan's uh, response to it. I don't think a lawyer wrote those words, but I think a lawyer would certainly agree with the words that she wrote. They are uh, very sterile. Uh, they don't sound like what she would say to his face. Uh, I can only imagine what she did say to his face. And probably one of the more interesting things uh, from the podcast. Uh, from the, the the Chicklets podcast is that they are going to try and talk with have her on as a guest during the Winter Classic. I don't that know if that's going to happen planned now. Before this, yeah, I don't think hmm. that's going to happen now. It's it'll be interesting if it does, but I think you're right. I think there's there's a less than fifty fifty chance that it'll happen now. Um, but hey, you know, uh, stranger things have, have occurred. So. So if you're in charge of NBC, do you let Ronick back on the air? I think eventually, uh, but I think um, I, I think you need to play your cards uh, very carefully in how you do it uh, and maybe have him come in um, later on, maybe like towards the All-Star game or something like that where it's more, yeah, it's going to be something big and high profile, maybe kind of minimize his uh his his screen time and then kind of make it a little bit more gradual um 
and that's that's just saying how how NBC maybe does it as professionally as possible. And yeah. of course, he needs to publicly apologize too. So yeah, I mean, and you're never going to please all the haters. And there are people who who dislike Jeremy Roenick, and they don't think he's interesting, and they don't find him funny, and they don't like him, and and they're just like, oh, I don't know why NBC has this guy on. He sucks. They should get rid of him. Now's the time to fire him. Whatever. It's like, well, there's a lot of us who like him also. I mean, sure. I'm not a fan of Pierre Maguire, but I have respect for him. And I think that's my problem with a lot of hockey fans is that. You could dislike a guy, but still have a respect for what he's done or what he's accomplished. I mean, he did play not in the NHL. He, you know, played college and he coached in the NHL. He didn't do too great. Yeah, he was like less than 100 games, I think, like part of one season, part of another season. And for the Whalers, I mean, you were doomed to begin with. If you're taking over the the coaching job of the Whalers, you know, after they traded Ronnie Francis and after they traded Ulf Samuelson and, you know, we're talking like the mid-90s. Whalers, you know, um, yeah. Andrew Cassells and Jocelyn Lemieux and, 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 and Francis Kuchera and I don't know who else just anyways, I'm, I'm off topic here. Yeah. I guess what I'm Sorry. saying, back well, what I'm saying is, is, um, I think Ronick needs to issue an apology. I think it needs to be put out as a statement on Twitter or on the web, not in person, not on camera. Cause I feel like that would just be like worse. And here's the thing. Awkward. Well, no. And that's okay, because you know what? I mean, sometimes you have to do the awkward things. But here's what I'm saying. He needs to apologize. But I feel like if he apologizes on TV, it's going to draw more attention to it. Like, he needs to apologize, and that needs to be out there. First, they got to make sure that his, his colleagues are okay with him coming back. Sure. I mean, if my coworker called me ugly, I'd be like, all right. If he called me ugly on the you know, most popular hockey podcast, it'd be like, ouch, man. But okay. Yeah, whatever. Sure. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But then if he's like, if he said, oh, I'd sleep with them, I'd be like, whoa, okay. That's kind of weird, but thank you, I guess. But I still feel kind of weird. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. So <clears throat> I feel like they got to like smooth things out. And um, yeah, he does have to apologize. I don't want to see his career end over this. Like, just like I didn't want to see Don Cherry's television career end over what he said but i mean i guess you know when when you know people picked up that this was more of a pattern and not just a one-off thing with don cherry then i was just kind of like all right maybe maybe his time's come but you just you don't want to see things end like in a bad way you just want to hear that they retire and it's like okay cool thanks for the 30 years you were fun not like oh you said one stupid thing and now nobody likes you and and you're outcast and you know, and and it seems like there's no it seems like there's no room for forgiveness. That's why, I, you know, I said, you know, everybody's walking on eggshells as far as everybody else is walking on eggshells about what they say and do in, in hockey. And it apparently it goes over the broadcasting desk as well. Hey, let me ask you this, because um, you're a Hurricanes fan. Uh, what's your opinion on the Bill Peters thing? Because I'll say this, like. When I heard when I first heard about this and Akeem Alou and I remember like when Alou was with the Ice Hogs, I remember Bill Peters as the Ice Hogs coach. Mm. And I was just like, Oh, okay. Well shit, this kinda hits close to home and you know, I paid attention to it obviously. Um, but then when I hear that like he did stuff in, you know, he like hit a player and kicked a player or whatever in Carolina and Rod Brindamore's like, Yeah, that happened. And I told Ron Francis and then Ron Francis was like, yeah, that happened. And I told my boss. And then it was just like, okay, and that's where it ended. I, I'm just curious what your whole take is on this being a, being our uh, our 
Carolina insider. <laughs> By insider, I mean season ticket holder. Sure. Uh, and person who pays the most attention to it, you know, within the, 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 the punk junk group. Well, I got too many uh, yeah. Penguin fans and not enough other fans, like, you know, uh, in the, in, on the crew. So, yeah, you are unique in the fact that you are a, a Hurricanes fan. A jerk. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think uh, I think when we, when we first heard it, uh, I think, at least for me, I wasn't terribly surprised. I mean, uh, I've... I've gone and watched practices, not a ton, but every now and then, you know, when I had some time or whatever, I'd, I'd swing on down to the uh, uh, the ice rink and, and go watch him and stuff. And uh, he would be, he would be, you know, physical in a, you know, hey, I'm, you know, Ryan Murphy or whatever defender, you're out of position, go reach over and grab them and then just drag them where he wants them and say, stay there, don't move until this happens. You know, things like that. You could tell he would get, he could definitely get frustrated with his players. Um, uh, his public outbursts at uh, some of the players, um, uh, namely uh, uh, Eddie, why um, am ah, I blanking on his name? Goaltender. Black. For the Wolves. Lack, Lack. Yes, thank you, Eddie Lack. Yeah, his, his outburst at Lack uh, was very surprising um, at the time. And so I guess kind of seeing those things and hearing those things and knowing just how badly he was, like, losing the room by the end of his tenure mm-hmm. uh, was it, – it makes it less shocking. Mm-hmm. But to know that, you know, all of that of – that, that all happened – uh, and that it went up the chain of command, and then Ron Francis turns around and gives him an extension on his contract. Like that was pretty shocking to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the players all said, "Yeah, you know, we we you know several players went to him, had a conversation. We felt like it was dealt with. Uh, end of story. But I can't. I mean." Were they really feeling like they just couldn't find somebody better? Yeah, they were sort of rising a little bit in in better play year after year, but it wasn't anything substantial. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, they never reached the playoffs underneath him. So, yeah, that was – it's it's very surprising. And then to hear uh, Peter Carmanos, the previous uh, majority owner of the mm-hmm. Hurricanes, say – no, I I never heard of this, and I would have had him fired immediately for it. Like, that contradicts what Ron Francis says. And so, granted, you know, we don't necessarily have a ton of love for Peter Carmanos and his time um, in the past recent years of, of uh, owning this team, and we know he said a lot of crap that uh, has not necessarily landed well with the fans here. I think uh, most people would be likely to give Ron Francis the benefit of the doubt in in this scenario uh, of, as far as the he said, he said um, of the situation. So that's kind of that's kind of where it, it hits right there. But, uh, you know, it, the ball keeps rolling or the puck keeps skittering along and more people get in trouble and people, you know, 
the the Peters thing just kind of I won't say fell to the wayside. Uh, I don't think he's going to coach in the NHL ever again. He might get picked up somewhere else um, in, in another league. I'm I'm sure he wants to coach somewhere else. Of course. Um, yeah, Europe, KHL, something like that. Even Ronick on the on the podcast uh, was uh, talking about you know physical abuse from uh, Iron Mike Keenan, I believe. Uh, but he said it didn't bother him. And it all comes down to individual players. You just have to, in this day and age, you have to treat people with respect. That's all. Yeah, I mean, it was different. It was different 30 years ago, obviously. I'm not saying oh, it yeah. was better. And and Roenick was very clear. He said, I'm not saying Mike Keenan was abusive towards me. I'm not saying that Mike Keenan hurt me. He said, look, this was a different time. I was 18 years old. He, You know, I didn't check a guy when he passed the puck and he, like, starts – you know, he puts his hands and he's like choking me, not choking me, but like kind of like strangling him a little and shaking him and just saying, if you ever effing not check a guy, I will bury your ass in the minors. I will end your career before it started. And he's like all spitting and frothing. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds like Mike Keenan. And, and you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, like I like to say, if you're a winning coach, then your methods are acceptable. And if you're not winning coach, then your methods are not acceptable, I guess. I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's never, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's never it's never acceptable. But I, I thought that was interesting that Ronick just came out and said, look, I, I'm not, you know, making any allegations here. This is just what happened. It is. And, you know, this this molded me into the player that I became and and. He liked hitting. He liked being a, a, a bowling ball or whatever and, and, and knocking into guys. I mean, that's what I loved about Ronick was the fact sure. that he would just like, you know, that he was a skilled player, but he would just knock guys over. And then I also think it's interesting because like then then you had these allegations came out on uh, Mark Crawford. Mm-hmm. And I like Not quite as serious, but. No, I mean, okay, so Sean Avery said that he, he kicked him, and Brent Sopel said that Crawford was... See, the thing is, is that Sopel said that Crawford was, like, kind of abusive towards him, but then he also said in, like, the same breath, he was quick to say, I had my best years under Crawford, and he made me into an NHL player, and he would yell and scream at me and tell me that he would scratch me, and then he would put, you know, he'd play me 80 games a season. You, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like so that, that just kind of seems very, you know, Jekyll and Hyde. But then Crawford basically said, I have been getting, you know, therapy because of this and working on my anger issues and stuff. I think that's great. Like, if that's true, I think that's great. I mean, I I believe it to be true. And uh, the team, the Blackhawks just basically just saying, you know, okay, he's suspended until after the new year. You know what I mean? Then he'll just Uh quietly come back in and, you know, things will, will die down, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is crazy, though, what's been going on. This has been a real firestorm of late. And there's been good things to come out of this as, as well. There was a guy that, I think he was a minor league player, um, that uh, created a uh, sort of like a a grading app, sort of like a Yelp review for, uh, coach, for coaches, teams, organizations, and things like that. And hockey players of all levels can go onto them, go onto this, and... Uh, rate people that they have played for, teams they played with, and write comments and, you know, let other people know, hey, you know, this is a really great coach over here, or this coach, eh, he can kind of rub me the wrong way, but he did all right by me, things like that. And uh, it's his products or his his, uh, his site has absolutely exploded because of this. Um, 
it's got players all the way up into the uh, into the uh, American Hockey League that are on it. I don't think at the time that I had read about it, he didn't have anybody from the NHL. I'm sure those guys want to, you know, try and keep things under wraps as much as possible, yeah. you know, for their own personal reasons. But when it comes to the guys that are still just trying to work their way up and also help the, you know, some of the other players coming along eventually, uh, apparently that's that's been a pretty good thing for for a lot of uh, a lot of guys, and and he's gotten a lot more much higher increase in traffic now as well. I, I could just read the reviews, you know, it'd be like tied me to the goalpost while my teammates took shots on me. One star <laughs> <laughs> made me a healthy scratch three games in a row. One star because I can't rate zero stars. You know, I don't know. <clears throat> I want to talk about Brent Seabrook. All right. Chicago Blackhawks defenseman, one of the alternate captains on the team so he's going to miss the rest of the season the skinny on seabrook he's 34 he's out for the season so he's going to need right hip surgery in january right shoulder surgery in february and left hip surgery in february so for those keeping scores that's the left hip the right hip and the right shoulder the blackhawks could move him to long-term injured reserve his annual contract value is six million eight hundred and seventy-five thousand a year Um, Well, yeah, and he has a no movement clause, no movement clause until 2022, and then he has a modified no movement clause until the end of his contract in 2020 when it ends in 2024. So here's my whole thing with Brent Seabrook. I've always liked Seabrook as a player. I still remember, and I know you know six years ago is a long time, but in 2013 was Game Seven. It was a conference finals against the Red Wings. The Blackhawks were down by a couple of goals. Taves takes a penalty. He starts flipping out in the penalty box. Seabrook goes over to the, the the penalty box, calms him down. And then the Hawks kill that penalty. And then they end up winning that game, winning that series. And I can't actually I can't remember if it was game seven now. It could have been game five. It was a pivotal game, though. I mean, that's just the kind of leader that that Seabrook is. My problem is not with Seabrook. My problem is with Blackhawk fans. And Blackhawk fans are kind of, some of these Blackhawk fans, and I'm a Blackhawk fan, and I've been, I've been following the team for 30 years. Really? Uh, 80, 89, early 89, a little over 30 years now. I know, I don't look old enough to, to have watched anything for 30 years, but... Uh, I know, you look like you're fresh out of college. I know, I feel like that, that way sometimes. I'm still broke, but, you know, like fresh <laughs> out of college. Okay, uh, the fans... And I'm paraphrasing because, you know, you read stuff on social media, you read comments and articles and stuff like that. And everything is like they should trade Seabrook and free up the cap space. Seabrook needs to retire because he's holding the team back. When there was the expansion draft a couple of years ago and everybody's like, oh, I hope they could get rid of Seabrook and, you know, he could go to the Golden Knights. And it's like, well, why do they want a seven million dollar defenseman? Like, Uh you know, so. Was it a bad contract by Stan Bowman? Yes. But, but no, because here's the thing. I said I was a, I've been a Blackhawk fan for 30 years. I've seen some of our greatest players retire in other places. I mean, and even before me, Bobby Hull retired with the Hartford Whalers. Think right. about that for a second. Even when the NHL and WHA merged for the 79-80 season and Bobby Hull played one more year, it was with the Hartford Whalers. Well, it was with Winnipeg and in Hartford, not with Chicago, like it should have been. Jeremy mm-hmm. Roenick, one of my all-time favorite players, 
I see him, you know, get traded to the Phoenix Coyotes because they wouldn't pay him what other centers of his caliber were making that year. He wanted to get paid what Eric Lindros was getting paid, and he was having a better, you know, I don't say a better career, but, you know, he's a 50-goal, 100-point score, whatever, and he wanted to get paid what the other guys of his caliber were getting paid, right? And they they wouldn't pay him that, so they traded him, and then he, you know, Phoenix and Philly and L.A. and Phoenix again and San Jose and just watching my favorite player, like, play in all these other towns. Chris Chelios, I mean, he started with the Canadiens, but then he really... He was a great defenseman with Montreal, but then he became the Hall of Fame defenseman that he is with Chicago. And he wanted to play two more years in and retire, and the Blackhawks were like, nope, we're just going to trade you because we don't want you to play for us anymore. We want to give you this front office job. And Chelios was like, no, I want to play a few more years. I want to mentor the the new group of players, blah, blah, blah. And so at Belfour, another one, I mean, and then there's other players. I mean, Steve Larmer. Troy Murray, and some of them you, ha- you had to make those trades. Maybe they were good personnel trades, not so much with Larmer. But that's the thing. Like, I grew up and saw all my favorite players retire with different teams. I want to see Duncan Keith, Brent Seabrook, Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane. I want to see them retire as Blackhawks. I want to see their whole careers with the Blackhawks. I don't care if Patrick Kane ends up as a as a 10-minute-a-night a third-line, fourth-line player. Maybe he would care. Maybe he doesn't want to be that when he ends his career. Maybe he always want some guys, they just want to be top line. And when they can't be top line anymore, they retire and that's okay. Some guys kind of age gracefully and they don't have to be top line and they can play a long ass time. I want to see my heroes, this current group of heroes retire as Blackhawks. So uh-huh. I don't want to see Seabrook traded. I don't want him to feel like he's pressured into lifting his no movement clause if he wants to retire in Chicago. I mean, you're giving up a chunk of your life to play for a, a team. Yeah. And and that contract that they signed him to, they thought that was pretty good at the time. That's a and, small it's a small chunk of your life though, and you need to be able to make the money that you have earned in that short period of time because good chance you know, very, very few of these guys are going to go on to have, you know, very lucrative things to keep their lifestyle and their family going right. later on. You right. know, they can't all be Jeremy Roenick and, and get a, a sweet job working for NBC. Right. I guess the thing is, is like they wanted to lock up all these guys to long term deals. I mean, they made a big deal about locking up Kane and Taves because they sold sure. signed them to contracts on the same day and they were like identical contracts. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you can negotiate a little bit with players and say, look, if you take a little less money, we could sign a better player and and then we could keep winning cups. Uh-huh. And I think most players would think about that pretty hard and say, I like winning Stanley Cups. You know, I could take a million less if I'm making. I think once you're over like three million, four million, then it's just like, OK, seven million or eight million. Oh, my God. Let me. It, you know what I mean? Eight as million. As long as you're not Iliad Kovalchuk. Kovalchuk, he just wants it all. I'm surprised it took the Kings as long to get rid of Kovalchuk as I am really surprised. Like I, I even put like when I did my puck junk end of the year awards for uh, the 1819 season and I have my boomerang player and that's the player who goes away and comes back, but then mm-hmm. goes away again, you know, and a couple of years ago it was Mike Fisher. Cause he, he made his little comeback. Predators didn't make it to the finals and then he uh-huh. went away again, right? And I thought yep. Kovalchuk was going to be that boomerang where he's like, oh, I'm back from the KHL, bitches, and I'm going to play with the Kings, and oh, we suck, and now the Kings are sending me away. And yet somehow he 
remained with them long enough the season to pick up his bonuses, and now he's mm-hmm. just going away again. And it's just it's it's funny, but like my here's a couple things I want to say about Seabrook. One is I already said that I feel like the Blackhawk fans were unfairly scapegoating him. This guy was playing hurt, and I, here's the thing: we've all done something like that. And I'm going to give a very tenuous example in my life. Um, in my 20s, uh, like in college, out of college, after college, I used to do martial arts quite regularly. When I was in college, I couldn't afford it that much, but I remember there was somebody, there was like a free Aikido class. So Did I was you doing just I- like go out and practice like by fighting crime or something or no, no, I'm not that, I'm not that tough. Um, <laughs> But, like, I, I did karate for a couple of years, like, pretty religiously in my early 20s. And then when I went to art school, I didn't have the time or the money. So then I I would, like, maybe, you know, if, like, I might do a lesson here or there, but I was kind of, like, out of the loop. But I remember there were free Aikido lessons at whatever, the gym at the school or whatever. Somebody was giving free Aikido lessons. So I was doing Aikido, and I hurt my knee one day really bad. Like, we were doing rolls, and I, like... I like rolled and like my knee just like popped or snapped and it hurt for like a day, a day and a half. I was limping a little bit. Now I'm in college. I don't have insurance. I'm in my twenties. So you just shake it off. You walk it off. Mm -hmm. Probably iced it. Next day felt a little better. Next day felt a little better. And then, you know, then it was just not a thing. But then when I got back into karate, like regularly, I was running almost every day. I was going to karate like five, four or five nights a week. And like maybe at the end of the night, my knee would hurt a little bit, and I'd just be like, "Oh yeah, that's that's where I heard it." When I was in Aikido, just a thing, right? Like uh-huh. you're just now. If I was an NHL player and I had a staff doctor, and I could say, "Hey, doctor, my knee hurts a little bit after I play a game. Can you take a look at it?" Then that stuff can get figured out a lot faster. But uh-huh. I mean, I understand. I mean, to an extent, playing through pain. You know what I mean? Like yeah. maybe my knee hurt a little bit, but I was just like, eh, "Whatever, my class is over." And 30 minutes, I'm just going to tough it out, right? Yeah. Or I'd run a little bit and my knee would hurt. But then it got to a point where it, I was running more and then my knee started to flare up and then it became a big problem. So this little problem in 2001 or 2000 or 2001, somewhere around there, became a big problem by like 2007. Y- y- you yeah. know what I mean? It compounds. So, what's that? It compounds, yeah. And and so I under so. The guy was playing with injuries, and that was uh, affecting his um, abilities and his effectiveness. And everybody's like, "Oh, Seabrook's old. Seabrook's old. He's he's old. He's not good anymore. He's lost his staff. He's holding back the team. He's hurting the team." And it's like, "No shithead. He's playing hurt. You know, uh-huh. get off the couch, do ten push-ups, and then talk to me, right? Yeah. If you could do that." And I mean. And I'll say this, I mean, some of you know I play beer league hockey, and one of the reasons why I play hockey is because I love hockey, I love writing about hockey, I love talking about hockey, and I want to have a greater understanding of it. And I think a lot of these these people need to, and when I say these people, I'm not talking about immigrants like Don Cherry, I'm talking about people who criticize Uh-oh. hockey players but have never played hockey to shut up or put up. That's how I feel on it. I feel a little vindicated, actually, that he was in <laughs> Like, because it's like, see, you guys are wrong. He was playing hurt, and you all just want to, like, make him sound like he's the thing that's holding the team back, right? So the the, the breeze is blowing cold in the Windy City. Uh, yeah, I can... I think there's fans like that everywhere, and it's it's the fans that have, like, the, the most curmudgeonly 
uh, responses to stuff seem to cut through a little bit harder and a little bit louder, typically online and, you know, and the call-in shows and stuff like that. So, I mean, there, there, I would, I will say there are probably fewer and far between in Carolina, but that's because there's fewer and far between, fewer fans uh, in Carolina right, than probably right. are in, in Chicago. But I mean, I, I think any, any, any real person that's that's not just a, a typical Blackhawks bandwagon fan mm-hmm. that or you know even one that that just hopped on the bandwagon way back in 2009 um or or uh, 2008 or whatever um back when they really started making noise mm-hmm. uh and and got that that first of the three cups in the, the last uh, dozen years or so mm-hmm. uh those guys remember what Seabrook did and they remembered that you know uh that sort of veteran presence really does help and it certainly helps the younger guys coming up along as well mm-hmm. when you take away all those veteran guys and you have just a young young team and there's nobody to really like calm down the youth and and uh, show them how things how things should be played and when to keep a level head and when to not, uh, you know, you, you you get teams like uh, like say Buffalo last year, where mm-hmm. you know there there wasn't much of a veteran presence there, and you know they look great at, at times, and then they kind of fall off the rails at others. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's necessary to have guys like Seabrook, and you know you can say, oh, they've got lots of veteran guys over there. Yeah, sure they do, but you know he's he's a guy that whatever defensive prospect you've got coming up through the system he's going to be the one that's showing them the ropes and molding them into uh something better than just a passable player mm-hmm. uh and he deserves to have the respect that he has earned uh there's you can you can hate the blackhawks you can be a fan of of some other team red wings whatever that's not a fan of the blackhawks you have to respect that guy Right, and I I think that whenever he does hang them up, I don't know that he'll be necess- he may be a, a first ballot Hall of Famer, but I think eventually he will probably make it into the Hall of Fame. I don't know about that. No, and that might you be a discussion. You don't, for... you don't think everything? No, okay. Seabrook hasn't really won any individual awards. Um, he did get a he did get a uh, gold medal. Um, and this is not a knock against Seabrook by any means, but. One of the reasons why they brought him on the Olympic team in 2010 is because he was Duncan Keith's partner. So they were uh, just basically like, let's take these two guys. They play really well together for Chicago, right? They're kicking ass for Chicago. Uh-huh. They're a good pair. Take this pair of defensemen that are playing really well together. And I thought that was brilliant, you know, uh, you know, because Keith was one of the, the top defenders on that team. And you take his D partner. That makes complete sense. But uh, I think a lot of times with like Hall of Famers, you're looking at like, you know, with the defensemen, there has to be like maybe you led the team in scoring or maybe you were a Norris Trophy winner or maybe you won a Hart Trophy like Chris Kronger. You, you know what I mean? Like there's I think there's a lot of benchmarks. accolades for defensive men. This is true. This is true. There aren't. And and um, and even like the. uh the Selkie trophy, which is for like the best defensive forward, they still mm. look at guys who like put up like decent points. You know what yeah. I mean? Like they still put up, you know, they still put up decent points. I mean, I remember now this was in the, the, um, the 
the the eighties, I think it was eighty five, eighty six. Uh, Blackhawk player Troy Murray won the Selkie Trophy, but he put up forty five goals and fifty four assists for ninety nine points. Now I know at the time you had guys like Gretzky scoring two hundred points and guys like Savard scoring like over a hundred points a season. So ninety nine points then wasn't like ninety nine points now. Like oh my god, right. well so hundred, but still, I mean forty five goals and fifty four assists, and he wins the best defensive player at. Not dissing the guy. I love Troy Murray, but I'm just saying that, like, that just kind of even goes to show, like, yes, this defensive player who scored, like, 40 goals a season. Okay, sure. Hey, speaking of goals, Svechnikov. Yes. So you were like, the uh, Svechnikov. The, the current golden boy of the Carolina Hurricanes. Is this Andre Svechnikov? Yes, that is right. So you're like, check out his lacrosse goal, and I'm like, from October? And you're like, no, from December. His other one. So yeah, uh, uh, I'm at this point. Everybody's probably seen uh, Svech's goals uh, that where he uh, swoops in from behind, uh, behind the goalie, and picks up the the puck on his stick. And it's still below his shoulder, so it can't you know it, it can't be disallowed as as right. high sticking, I guess. Right. Yeah. Um, but he manages to then just sweep it just over the goalie's uh, shoulder. And this is, he did this both on uh, Connor Hellebuck uh, most recently and David, uh, David Riddick, I believe. Yep. Um, yeah. Uh, the flames. So he's done it twice. Um, and uh, both times, you know, big wow factor and everything. Um, what I want to ask you is, Right now, he's the only one that's accomplished this. And Anthony Duclair apparently um, attempted a fake on it and then tried to uh, spin around and, and uh, do a wraparound uh, to try and get a, um, get another goalie with it. Failed goalie blocked it. But, you know, another person tried or, or uh, did something along those lines. Do you think that the league or the board of governors are going to have a discussion about whether or not this is um, a little uh, too much, uh, too much pizzazz for their uh, their very serious league uh, that they have out there, uh, or you know, or do they just think, okay, this happened like a couple times, it's not that big of a deal, and I don't think goalies are going to sit there and and change their method of how they defend against anybody really uh and there's there's been um an article on on that i think on nhl.com um uh da, 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 scott murray um who was the uh capitals uh, goalie coach um he was uh he was asked about it and said that uh tracking is the most important thing for goalies uh and it, it helps them defend from uh, by multiple attacks um and so and and cam talbot says that uh uh, you you can see Svech go behind a goal or whatever, and it might cross your mind, but you're not going to change the way that you play the game just for one guy or just because of that. So I don't think anything's going to really change too much on the ice, but do you think the league is going to pay a little more attention to it? And kind of like how uh, the the um, the spinoramas were eventually outlawed. Uh, because they were kind of making goalies look like fools when it came to shootout attempts. Well, Do you think that there's there's a, a chance that that might be an impact later on? Here's the thing about the spinorama. 
is that with and, and with shootouts is that the puck always has to be moving forward. So yes. if you spin around and the puck suddenly goes behind your body or like now the puck now you're moving the puck backwards. So that's a mm-hmm. technicality. You know what I mean? Like in a game, a spinorama is fine. But like sure. if you're skating towards the goalie, the puck always has to be moving forward in a shootout. Mm-hmm. You could have players slow down, but once they turn their body and then the puck now is away from the goalie because they're doing a 360, then technically the puck is moving backwards and not forwards. So I understand that rule and I'm fine with it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Otherwise, I mean, you know, likewise, like they can't, they can't go around the net and try to do a wraparound during a shootout. You know what I right. mean? Like, mm. you can't do these things. Um, I don't think that the lacrosse-style goal is going to be scrutinized unless it becomes a problem. And it only becomes a problem if everybody starts doing it. And I don't think everybody's going to start doing it and start scoring on it. And you know what? If they do, that's okay. I mean, it's just so strange how, like, hockey, like, I mean, you know, before the 60s, you didn't really have a lot of slap shots. I mean... That's why you you had slap shots, but the pucks didn't really lift up mm-hmm. off the ice because you didn't have the curved sticks. Goalies would stand up. They wouldn't go down to block the puck. They didn't wear masks. And then mm-hmm. when you had guys like, um, you know, Bobby Hull and Stan Makita start curving their sticks, and then Bobby was, like, getting these slap shots to go up off the, uh, the ice, you know, three, four, five feet off the ice, and then all of a sudden, you know, then masks become almost a requirement by goalies you know but they didn't say oh you can't do that you know they they curtailed the the curve of the sticks but they didn't like say oh no you can't curve the sticks Mm because they're probably like thinking okay now people can like shoot the puck a little higher we're gonna get more goals this way Mm -hmm. um i don't see here's the thing like i don't and you know it was the same thing like a couple years ago um i remember them talking about steph curry the basketball player yeah yeah, and like his three his three point shots, right? And he get all these three point shots, and now they're talking about, oh, is now now kids just want to do three pointers, right? Because Steph Curry is getting all these three pointers, and why why shoot for two when you could shoot for three? You know what I mean? And they didn't really it didn't really have the impact that people were afraid it was going to have the impact of. Um, maybe on the younger players, they say, oh, I want to shoot three pointers because whatever Steph Curry does it, but like I think with the lacrosse style goal. I mean, I can't really see too many players pulling that off in a game and it working. Mm-hmm. It's like, it only works when you have the element of surprise, right? Yeah. If the goalie's expecting it. And then it's, space. You got to have a, he, he only will, will do like Svetch explained, like one, he practices like every day he practices his goal. And Rod Brennamore is like, this is stupid, but whatever. Yeah, you're a talented kid, so I'll, I'll I'll let you do it. Right. And he does it, and he pulls it off. But he, he explained later, like, yeah, this is only something that you can do if you have the space, because if that's pretty delicate to try and have to sit there in a game and balance a puck on the blade of your stick and then get it around a very tiny hole past a goalie. So if he's got any sort of defender on him, he can't do it. Right. You know? And it's it's it just don't leave him alone if you want to defend the damn thing, <laughs> right? Yeah, and I mean, like what you said earlier, like so the the stick, the stick blade has to be under the crossbar, and I mean I watched that and he does keep it under the crossbar. He tucks it right in that corner. It was a beautiful goal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I said before, I don't I don't think the NHL is going to crack down on that unless it becomes 
a, a problem. And if the problem is more scoring, then it's not really a problem. Yeah. Um, you, you, you'd think they want more scoring. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, last okay. last question oh. on this subject. Of course, There's of course. Complete hypothetical. Uh, since it's all coming from... Uh, it's all coming from Gretzky's office. What if Gretzky had had this skill set... In this arrow in his quiver, how many more goals do you think he would have scored in his career? And I'm going to answer that. Zero. Because they would have been all assists. He would have pretended like he was going to do it, but then he would have flipped the puck to the guy in front of the net, and then he would have scored. So no change, huh? So that's, no, he would just, it would have probably led to another, well, maybe another goal, excuse me, another assist instead of a goal, because Gretzky was the king of dishing it out. Sure. You know, right, so I could see I could see Gretzky like going like he's going to do that. But then instead of, you know, reaching over and putting it in that corner of the net, instead, just kind of doing a little uh-huh. wrist flick into uh-huh. like the, the, the slot or the high slot. And one of his boys, you know, shooting it home for a goal, because that's that's how he operated. That's what he did. Yeah. That's what he did. Okay. But yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. No. Um. Well, that that's my hypothetical anyway. Um. So we got a winter classic coming up. January uh-huh. 1, uh, the 12th annual Winter Classic, Wednesday, January 1st, uh, noon Central Time. Um, Dallas Stars versus Nashville Predators at the Cotton Bowl Stadium. So Dallas is hosting. Um, it is a outdoor warm weather Winter Classic. I know there have been some stadium series in warm weather places. Like I remember when the the Kings had their stadium series game with the Ducks. Uh-huh. They had Kiss was like the act that played during first intermission, which I thought was awesome. I thought um, it was actually a, a lot of fun out there. I, I heard that people had a great time, and 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 it actually came off generally without a hitch. You know, I actually, I actually last year, um, somebody offered me a pair of Winter Classic tickets for free. Had the, had that game already passed, or was it for a future one? No, this was so. This was a couple days ahead of January one when we uh-huh. had the um, Blackhawks versus the Bruins at uh, Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. So somebody was like, "If you want a pair of tickets, they're yours." Like it was just somebody who was connected Sweet. and just didn't say where they were going to be or whatever. And I wasn't going to be like, "Oh, well, not if their nosebleeds," because. When you put a hockey rink, when you put a hockey rink in the middle of a football field, all your seats are pretty far away. Yep. And at that point, you probably want to be a little higher up anyway. But then mm-hmm. I thought about this. I'm like, what do I do? So usually like January one, my whole thing has been maybe going out the night before. I used to go out with some friends to like this banquet. I don't do that anymore. But I get home at like two or three in the morning. I'd sleep in until like 11.55 and then roll out of bed just in time for the Winter Classic, heat up some leftovers, and that was like my January 1 thing, right? So I was thinking about this, and it's like, well, if I go to the Winter Classic in person, then I can't sleep in and watch it on TV, which sounds lame, right? But then I thought, three-hour drive to Chicago, to to, uh, South Bend, right? Three-hour drive, um, and then... On top of that, it's effing cold out there. Uh-huh. And this is why I envy the people in Dallas and I envy the people in L.A. and like the warm weather climates when they can have an outdoor game and it's nice outside. And you're watching soon, hockey. You, soon you'll be able to envy the people in Raleigh because oh, we're yeah. going to have one soon, too, I think. Oh, that's that's a yeah, long time coming, right? Or maybe Chicago will just take another one, you know? I think. Well, I, I got I to... Gotta... 
I, I don't want to get off, off the subject of, of the current Winter Classic too much, but uh, when Tom Dundon came in and took over uh, as the owner here of the Hurricanes, he kind of had a, a a list of demands. This is, this is kind of third-hand information, I, I guess. So take it for what it's worth. Sure. Uh, he took it to, uh, to the NHL and said, look, I'm paying a lot of money to hop in on this, and... You know, I'm I'm going to keep this team here. You want me to keep this team here. Here are some things I want to do. And one of the things that he really wanted was an outdoor game. And they said, okay, but not yet. Not not like next year. Not the not the year after. And I, apparently, the rumor was that they let him have uh, let him do some of the whalers games yep to kind of like make peace on this mm-hmm. but uh there have been a few visits from the uh, nhl with the uh, nhl executives at uh, carter finley stadium which shares the parking lot with pnc arena okay. this is where uh nc state football uh plays over there and they have marked out the size of what a hockey rink is in the middle of that field a couple mm-hmm. of times now and it sounds like right now we might have a stadium series uh, next season. And that's nice. obviously not official because they haven't announced it. But Tom Dunn has pretty much said, look, I want an outdoor game here because I want people to have fun with it. And you can you NHL can have a piece of this and and enjoy you know the, the spoils of the riches here. Uh, or I can just keep it all to myself, and we're just going to have a random outdoor game, make a whole weekend event where everybody's just going to have fun tailgating, and we'll have an NHL game, we'll have uh, some minor league games, we'll probably have some college games, we'll have some music events. It's all going to happen at Carter Finley Stadium. And I gotta, if I have to pay for it out of pocket, I will. Right. Or I'll let you cash in on this. So. Right. That's the, anyway. That's 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 the rumor right there. I, and you know, I'm I'm not anybody. So let's see if that happens. That's well, that's the story. I don't see why that wouldn't happen, especially if they've been investigating that stadium. But yeah. um, what? Uh, who would just just real quick? Who who are the Hurricanes like big rival? Right now, I would say they're. Biggest rivals and who we think it'll probably be that we have to face is the Capitals. Really? Because there was such animosity finally when we got back into the postseason with that whole seven-game series. So it would uh, be somebody more regional. How are the Capitals? Like, the Capitals are the closest team to us. Are they? Okay, I don't know. My yeah. my, uh, my geography is, is, is not great. I mean, I think of, like... I mean, it's funny that the the Predators are in the Western Conference. And that's who I would love to have, actually, is the Predators. That's who I thought it would be. Like, the Preds and the the, the Canes just kind of seem like those, like... It would be the barbecue bowl, really. Because they would bring their barbecue, we'd have our barbecue, it'd be a big old barbecue love fest. Well, you know, two outdoor, uh, excuse me, two warm weather climate southern teams Mm -hmm. southern teams yeah exactly just like if like the florida panthers 
had an outdoor game, it really should be against the Lightning. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just it just makes sense. And like with the Blackhawks, it Hawk, should be ball hockey, and it should be in Key West. <laughs> I don't know about ball hockey. Like the Blackhawks, I mean, they've been around long enough, so you could kind of make whatever rivalries you want because it's yeah. like. Chicago and Detroit, sure, they were in yep. the same division for many, many years, and there's a lot of animosity there. Chicago mm-hmm. and Boston, okay, original six teams, sure. we get it. Uh, Chicago and Pittsburgh, uh, maybe they're both popular teams. Okay, sure, just go with it. Chicago uh, and Capitals. That's just TV ratings on that one, I think. Oh, yeah, and Chicago and Washington, same thing, and then, mm-hmm. you know. But, okay, so um, the Canes might get one, so... Yeah, uh, Winter Classic. Unfortunately, this year, my Winter Classic routine is going to be cut short because I still haven't seen Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. No spoilers. <laughs> no spoilers. But, like, so my girlfriend's mom wants to see that movie, and she wants to see it with us. Usually my girlfriend and I, we go, we're like, we're in an abusive relationship with Star Wars. We know this is wrong, but we keep going back for more. And then mm-hmm. we see Solo, and we go, well, that wasn't so bad. I kind of like that. And we see, like, Episode Eight, and we're like, what the hell was that? No, no, that was terrible, right? You know? And yeah. I'm not the guy who waits in line to see a Star Wars movie like Phantom Menace 1999. That was like, mm-hmm. oh, and I'm old enough. I know you say I don't look old enough, but... I'm old enough to remember seeing Empire Strikes Back in 1980 with my mother because I saw a TV special about it on the news. They're talking about another Star Wars movie. I don't remember Star Wars when it came out, but Empire, that hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, oh my God, this looks amazing, right? I'm like five years old. And so well, my mom- were you, excited, was, were you excited about the Christmas special? No, that was before all. my time. Oh, I, was it really? Yeah, I would have been uh. three. I don't remember the Christmas, the holiday special. All uh, right. But what- I remember going to see Empire with my mom, and I remember the line being around the block. And this was the first grown-up movie that I had ever seen, because before that, it was like Jungle Book, The Muppets Great Adventure, right? Like all these kid Uh movies where you just bought a ticket and walked in, and now it's like, wow, grown-up movies, people like line up around the block to see grown-up movies, right? Because I'm like mm-hmm. five and it's Empire Strikes Back. And I didn't know that Star Wars was this like cultural phenomenon because I was two when the first one came out. You know, so I saw Empire in theaters. I saw Jedi in theaters. But I didn't see that until two weeks after it came out. And I was like, like every day, Mom, when are we going to see Return of the Jedi? When are we going to see Return of the Jedi, right? And then mm-hmm. when like Phantom Menace came out, I was like, we got to see this opening night, me and a buddy of mine, right? Whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then things, you know, whatever. And then you kind of cool down a little bit and you go, well, okay, I don't need to see episode two the night it comes out. I could wait a day or two. I could wait a week or two, whatever. I don't care. And like with this uh, Rise of Skywalker or whatever the hell they're calling it, I wasn't going to see it the first day, the second day, the third day. But like, I didn't want to see it on Winter Classic Day either. So that, I mean, January 1, New Year's Day. Uh-huh. But that's when we're going to a 2.50 p.m. showing. So hopefully the Preds and or Stars wrap it up by 2.15, but that's not going to happen. So I'm going to miss the third period. I don't even know if they're really that much fun. After you kind of do the player introductions, the fireworks, the pageantry, the opening, you know... Maroon well, five. Hold, 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 your, hold your horses on that, and I mean right. that quite literally. Oh no! Because I kind of looked into this. So for the the fun of the eighty five thousand fans that are going to be there, that is the going to be the second largest Winter Classic in history. Wow! The NHL will quote celebrate Texas heritage with hockey. I, I, I don't. I'm not sure on that one. I mean. 
yeah, don't be smirched, you know, Dallas Stars fans. In, enjoy, enjoy hockey. Believe me, we get enough hell up here in Raleigh for that as well. Okay. Uh, the opening band that's going to be going is going to be a band called Midland. I don't know them. Might be good. Uh, the Star Spangled Banner will be sung by uh, Jake Hoot, uh, who was on The Voice. Um, Dan and Shay will be performing in the first intermission. And then there's going to be Jugglers, Rodeo Clowns, Sword Swallowers, Fire Breathers, Rope Tricks, and Horse Ride Tricks in the second intermission um and oh excuse me and also in this is going to be there's going to be a tribute to the texas state fair that's a lot for 18 minutes intermission um i'm i'm guessing that it it may get kind of kind of spread out here and there um but i kind of want to see where all that goes I'm I, there is a bit of morbid curiosity to it. Yeah, no, that's that's okay. You know, if they do things that are regional, I mean, who knows? Mm-hmm. Maybe when maybe when Carolina hosts the uh the uh, uh an outdoor game, maybe like during first intermission, they'll they'll pull out some NASCARs and do like a quick race or something, you know, around yep. around the outside rolling around the field. You know? Yeah. Um yeah, sure, why not? For for the first intermission or something. I don't know. Who do you think is going to win? I, I don't know. I don't I, I don't want to say I don't care. I haven't been, like, totally punched in this season. I've been following the Blackhawks. You know, it's funny. My girlfriend is making fun of me because she sees it's, like, 9 o'clock at night, and I'm, like, writing a hockey article or something. She walks into my office, and she says, Sal, pays for NHL center ice, decides to write about hockey instead of watch hockey. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, guilty, right? You know, right. Uh, Sometimes you got a deadline, and you're just like, I got to get this done tonight. And yeah, the Sharks and the Avs are playing, and I'd really rather watch that. But yeah, I just haven't been like super tuned in. I need to change that, obviously. I like watching hockey. Yeah, I, I don't really have an opinion. I, I also don't really have an opinion on the, the Winter Classic uniforms. I, I Tim and I talked about them a couple weeks ago, and we're just like, yeah, they're okay. They, they kind of borrow from like, okay, sure, the Nashville Dixie Flyers from 1962 to 71. Okay, I don't think many fans are going to remember that, but that's okay. You could be obscure. As long as it looks good and it sells, that's the important part, right? Yeah, I mean, what god-awful ECHL, UHL, Colonial League, whatever, w- would the Hurricanes even borrow from like a predecessor? For a winter classic, or would they just wear Hartford Whaler jerseys and be like, we're kicking it back to 1996? Oh, wow, man. If they went with the blue Whalers jerseys, that would be kind of hot right there. I can, like I can see that. Ones? But they're, they're not going to get a Heritage Classic. That, that's, for, that's for sure. Or they're not going to get a, the, the winter classic. It'll be like Stadium Series. But that's so I think okay. that they'll, either, they'll get to design a new one, uh, which will probably become like a new home jersey or something like that for us. Or... If if they had to just roll back, I think they would probably just go with maybe like just the original red jerseys that they had with the uh, the storm flags mm-hmm, around mm-hmm. the uh, waist and such. I don't know. That's mm. that's that's neither here nor there at this point. So wrapping up on on Winter Classic though, I think uh, I'm gonna say even though Nashville is behind Dallas in the standings right now, the visitors have won eight Winter Classics out of the 11 that have been around so far. So my money is going to be on Nashville, the underdogs. 
Gotcha. Real quick, I just want to throw out a quick announcement for those of you listening. You've heard me talk about the Puck Junk online shop at uh, shop.puckjunk.com. Right now, I'm having a sale on all t-shirts. They're 20% off now through the end of January 1. So if you're listening to this, you want to check out shop.puckjunk.com. If you use coupon code SAVE20, save 20% off of a Puck Junk t-shirt. And then also free shipping in the United States. I guess now we talk about hockey cards. So to my hockey people who don't give a damn about hockey cards, I guess this is where you could just turn off the podcast. But for those of you who also collect, just to give a quick recap. So Tops Now stickers for week 13 are on sale. Tops has been really kind of lazy lately. Like it just says all stickers are, well, every sticker is to be determined. Like usually they'll like say, this is the, the first sticker in the pack. And then a couple days later, they'll say like, this is going to be the second sticker in the pack. Right. And now like around the holidays, they've just been like TBD, TBD. It's nine stickers for $8 to, to be determined. Right. So, okay. So tops now stickers week 13 through uh, this Thursday. And then upper decks game dated moments, uh, card number 30, Evgeny Malkin's 400th goal and card number 31, Alex Ovechkin and Nicholas Backstrom playing 900 games together. Uh, wow. Jim, do you do you collect any of the game dated moments cards? Not really. Uh, I I'm trying not to get overwhelmed with cards, uh, and every now and then I have to stop and look and say, "Oh God, there's a there's a number of boxes around here that that something needs to happen to them." So I, I, you know, find either somebody else to donate them to or weed through and, you know, say, okay, yeah, this is actually garbage. This can go, whatever. Um, uh, I'm, I'm not going to go into, you know, too much personal history on it, but uh, my, my dad was a bit of a hoarder when it came to sports cards, and I'm trying not to be that. I understand. <laughs> not to say, you know, that, that any, you know, not calling anybody else a hoarder or whatever for collecting cards or whatnot. It's just that... Uh, I don't want my wife to look at me the way that my mom looked at him. <laughs> wow. It's like, you love this Mickey Mantle card more than you love me. No, you guys are equal in different ways. I mean, right. It's apples yeah, and oranges. I, I just happen to like a lot of fruits. <laughs> I would just say, hey, be glad it's cards and not something else, right? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. The joke, oh, but you know. The problem was there was a lot of other things else. <laughs> oh, well, I don't want to get into your, your family tree. Uh, I remember like when I was a kid, we'd be checking out at the grocery store and I'd throw a few packs of cards on the conveyor belt and my mom would look at me and I'd say, it's either this or drugs or guns. And she just laughed and said, all right. Well, I mean, I'm like 14 or 15, so I think I'm smart. It's like, hey, it's either this or drugs or guns. Take your pick. Mm-hmm. So she realized that, you know, $1.50 in trading cards was not the end of the world. Not the worst um, thing yeah. But, you know, with game-dated moments, they're like $3.99 each card, and then you also have to buy an e-pack. So it's pretty easy to not collect things when you're paying like 4 or 5 bucks a card, right? Mm-hmm. I'll pick and choose, and I'll be like, ooh, they made a gritty card. Okay, I want this card of gritty streaking, so I'm going to pay the $3.99 and then also buy an e-pack of something cheap like Compendium for like $0.99, cents, right? Tim, on the other hand, he'll just wait till it's on COMC and then he'll get it for cheaper somehow. Like, I don't know how somebody would pay $4 for a card and then sell it for less than $4. That seems counterproductive, but... It's all supply and demand, really. True, and also could have just been something thrown in a trade. Like, I'll throw in these cards and I'm like, all right, whatever, sure. But you want to talk about some upcoming releases. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm sure we're getting short on time, so I'll I'll, I'll weed out the, uh, the 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 chafe from the weed here. There's a new series coming out called Upper Deck Allure, which mm-hmm. sounds like their new cologne, but apparently it's a, a set of cards. It's coming out in February 5th. Uh, looks like you can pick it up for probably around uh, 85, 90 bucks. They're uh, about six cards per pack, eight packs per box. Um, the commons run at about uh, or about 135 cards. Um, there's three hits, one auto, one memorabilia, and then eight inserts. Um, and I think there'll be like one other um, one other nice card in there. Mm-hmm. Um, you get the parallels, blah blah blah. The cards actually look pretty good, and at 85 bucks with that many cards coming in the pack and half, you know, halfway decent hits and all new product. I would actually take a chance on this. Maybe, maybe I wait till it's on sale. Maybe I just throw it in, in the uh, online shopping when I'm, when I'm buying some other stuff uh, mm-hmm. around February as well, which, you know, Hey, that's, that's when uh, upper deck series two is coming out later in the month anyway. So right. that's actually one that, that looks pretty good. And I, I may, uh, may pick up a box of that and, and do a review on it. So um, yeah, have you so had a chance to look at those at all? I, I looked over to sell sheets and stuff. So uh, each box is going to have one rare parallel or Jersey card, mm-hmm. one rookie Jersey card and one autographed card, five yeah. base parallels and an eight insert cards. I'm really tired of the rare parallel being yeah. the stand in for the, the Jersey card. Like with the Orem inserts in like, um, oh God, what was that set? Uh, was that, uh, I can't remember now, one of the upper deck sets. And it was just like, get a autograph jersey or Orem uh, limited parallel chase. And I'm just like, no, nobody wants this card. Like, you know, nobody you, tell us, for this. you tell us it's rare, but we don't, it's not what we want, right? Like, like. <sighs> I don't know. I, you know, at first I thought, okay, this is kind of neat. Like, you know, it's another set. Then I kind of looked at the cards and I'm like, well, these just look like ovation, but shiny, like shiny ovation. Or maybe they look yeah. a little, little bit like contours, especially the die cuts. Oh, your cat is having a tantrum. Yeah, she's trying to crawl behind there. Say hey, Dad. Cat, cat, cat tantrum. Hey. You know, now you get shy. Yeah, he's camera shy. Yeah, those doesn't want to comment on uh, Upper Deck Allure. I thought it was funny that you said Upper Deck Allure sounds like a, a, a cologne. What would trading card cologne smell like? So I, I have two suggestions here. One is, you know that new card smell, like when you open a pack of Upper Deck and it's kind of that weird mix of like the gloss and the ink because it's like really pungent when you like open a pack of like new cards. Chemical industrial. Yeah. That yeah. would be one smell, but I think the smell I'd go for would be like the bubblegum cards from the 90s. Cause yes. I will, yeah, see, because I'll do this. This is weird. Sometimes I'll be sorting like old tops cards, and I'll take a stack of them, like a three-inch stack, and just turn it sideways and just bury my nose in it and just and just give it a whiff, and it just has that smell of like... The, this girl look at you funny when you do that? The gum. No, hey, what I do in the privacy of my own card room is my business, right? <laughs> Um, but it's just like, they still smell like gum after 30 yeah. years. They still have that aroma, you know, that, that, and, and I like that for some reason. I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. That would be what I think, what a card themed cologne would just basically smell like old wax pack cards. Well, I did, uh, the, the last, uh, box I did buy from, from my online store, uh, I 
also bought a box of uh, Twin Peaks trading cards from the old TV show. Oh, you're you talking about the, the the box set from Star Picks? Uh, no, um, it was a a new one that just came out. Oh, okay. Now, are the okay? Because I have the old set from 1991 that was put out by like 91 or 92 that was put out by Star Picks. Mm, yeah, this, this is, something... is a different one. Now, does this focus on all three seasons or just the most recent season? All three seasons. Okay, and also the movie Firewalk with Me or no? There was nothing from Firewalk with Me, which I thought was a damn shame because I, I would have loved so... to have gotten a Chris Isaac card. Chris Isaac or a uh, David Bowie card. Oh, that would have been fantastic. That would have been that would have been something else. Yeah. Yeah, um, but I, I picked up. Uh, well, there's a bunch of us, a bunch of my friends that are they're all into the show and stuff, and and we got together and, and we were you know watching the third season together and such. So I, I picked up this box and initially like. Uh, I saw it and I was like, well, that's cute or whatever, but I wasn't going to pay for that. And then it was like, oh, there's, there's two autograph cards from people uh, in the show, you know, signed on card. I was like, well, that's neat, but eh, I still don't really need it. Oh, but there's also scratch and sniff cards. I was like, wait, what? What? Then I bought it. Yes, there are scratch and sniff cards from things in the show, like scratch and sniff card of coffee or of pine trees or pies. Pie, I man. got one that was a vanilla milkshake. Smelled terrible, but still, scratch and sniff. How great is that? <laughs> what autographs did you get? I think it was one of the showgirls, and then it was the creepy boy that lived with the old lady. Can't remember their names off the top of my head. I'll find them later and let you know. Going on eBay, you can go in and, and, and of course, you know, see a lot of, like, the hits that people have gotten. Like, I think you can buy, like, all the Scratch and Sniff cards for, like, 10 bucks in, in like, one go. Uh, but it's kind of uh, kind of neat where a lot of the autograph cards, uh, people that were autographing them wrote, like, some of their favorite lines mm -hmm. uh, from the movie, like, wrapped in plastic and uh, see you again in 25 years, things like that. Just mm -hmm. really, really, you know, it, it was, it, it was kind of a treat, honestly. So it was a lot of fun, but yeah, sorry. You, uh, you, you wanted to, you wanted to talk about card smells. There are cards that still smell. Wow. That is, that is something. Yeah. I forgot about the whole scratch and sniff phenomenon. I remember having scratch and sniff stickers in the eighties. Whether they really smelled like the thing or not, I, I can't really remember. It just smelled like something. Smelled like um, something. Smelled like something, right. So um, I think we're in a good place to end this episode of the podcast. Because we want people to actually listen to this before January 1. Because then after, after January 1, all that stuff we say about the Winter Classic, it just won't matter anymore. Yep. And Ronick will probably be reinstated by then anyway. Well, yeah, I hope so. I mean, if they're doing rodeo, fire eating, uh, square dancing, um, pole vaulting, and all those other things, Texas things that you say they're doing, then not pole vaulting, but uh, all those other things, <laughs> you weren't paying attention. Square dancing, rodeo clowning, fire eating, pole vaulting, archery, you know. Um, I'm sure they, they'd love to put Jr. on a bucking bronco right about now and scuba and diving. Oh, he would totally, he would totally do like one of he would totally do the mechanical bull if he mm. didn't already. He would, you know. I mean, I would just, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, um, he's waiting Texas barbecue. All right, so uh, I guess we're gonna end it here. I want to thank everybody for listening to this podcast. I want to wish you a happy new year. You'll hear from us again in 2020. So uh, thanks for listening. For more hockey goodness, follow us on Twitter at PuckJunk.